Hey, Marcus, how'd you become a stylist? Oh, Andy, let me tell you a story. Hey, what's up? And welcome to The Miseducation of Styling, a show that explains the ins and outs and some of the hardest truths of working in the fashion industry. My name is Andy. And my name is Marcus. And we're, we're your, your hosts to this, this fabulous, fabulous show. We're here to tell you about our experience in this crazy industry and open up the door to honest conversations about what it really means to be in the fashion world. Today, our first episode will be all about breaking into the industry. Be sure to stay tuned for all the juicy tea. Mm, tea. Uh, Marcus, Ooh. tell me more. <laughs> okay, Marcus, so you said you had some tea to tell me about getting into the industry. I want to know. Oh, Andy, let me tell you a story. So I have to take you back to my college years. You know, I was going to school for photography. She's and a scholar. Yes, she, <laughs> she, she was a scholarly young art student. You know, and I always had an interest in art. I just didn't know what that was necessarily going to be. So, you know, I started going to school for photography. Um, actually, I got in for graphic design and just switched into photography, like, probably, like, the first week. Um, didn't know what that was going to necessarily do. Anyways, a very good friend of mine introduced me to a little documentary called uh, The September Issue. I'm sure some of you out there have heard of it. Yes. Where it just sort of details, you know, what goes into making a September issue, not only cover, but, you know, the entire issue of Vogue. It's their biggest issue every year. Mm -hmm. um, and just sort of seeing everything that went into making a fashion photograph and making a magazine and all the different people who were working to make like these beautiful like incredible glamorous images i think something was just kind of like lit up in me because i had already been doing stuff in photography but i just you know i didn't really know what i wanted to do in that I was so young i was like uh totally. 18. um so you know i did my whole photography years and sort of flash forward to me moving to new york it was my senior year um, was not sure at all where I was supposed to be going from there. Uh, and I was just kind of like, you know, New York is a fashion hub, so maybe this is the place for me. So packed up all my stuff, got in my car, um, and I moved to New York. Love that. For um, you. and you know, I had been working as a photo assistant for a while, for about like a year and a half, two years. And, you know, it wasn't, it was very obvious. It was becoming very obvious for me after a while. I was like, this is not necessarily for me. Like, I'm not happy doing this. So I am on set for a Hugo Boss job. And I see this woman. And she's, you know, picking the looks out. She's getting the models ready. She's working with the racks and everything. She's working with the clothes. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, who is this lady? And, like, what is she doing? And, like, I think I want to do it. I'm really just not sure. And, you know, it was a three-day job. Second day rolls around. I'm thinking the exact same things. I'm seeing this, like, really cool, confident, like, lady. I'm just like, okay, what is she doing? Like, like, like she's a part of, like, she, she, she's, she's a stylist. Like, I know that, but, like, I don't know what that is. So finally, the third day rolled around. I was just like, Marcus, if you don't say something to her, you are never, ever going to, like, have this opportunity again. Mm -hmm. So I walk up to her, and I'm like, hi, my name is Marcus. I don't know what it is that you do or who you are but I think I want to do it. Um, she says to me, my name is Tiffany Williams. Here is my number. Uh, shoot me a text. I shoot her a text. The very next week, I'm working with an editorial, uh, on, on an editorial with her. And I worked with her for about like six or seven years pretty consistently. Um, and 
she's been probably like one of the biggest, she's probably made one of the biggest impressions like on me, uh, wanting to do this, working in this industry, seeing like a black woman, somebody, seeing somebody who looked like me do this thing that I had gotten so interested in. She's, she's kind of been like my rock in the industry in a way. That's amazing. Cause not everyone has that too. So I think that's great. Andy, how did you get into the industry? My story is a little different. Um, I didn't go to school specifically for fashion. I mean, I started going to school for child psychology, actually. And at a certain point, I had to take a step back and realize I wasn't passionate about it. And so I had to think, what am I passionate about? And I remember it being so cliche because I'm sitting in my room and I'm like, I'm passionate about fashion. (laughs) And it was so funny because I'm just there like, I sound so crazy because here I am in this like, tiny little city that's so conservative and i'm out here pulling looks that nobody understands and i'm poc so i'm like i don't really feel heard or seen in the way i wanted to so i decided that i was going to tell my family that i was going to go to school in new york little did they know i had no intention of going to school but it was a good way for me to just get out here and saved up for about six months and then brought my ass out here And I feel like at first I was really lost because I didn't know specifically who I was supposed to ask. I didn't have any friends out here. I didn't know anybody from the East Coast. And so I just went to the World Wide Web, hit up Google. I was like, hey, sis, what you got? And Google was like, we have this assisting job. They're looking for an intern unpaid. Um, And it's a six-month thing. And it's 50 Cent's personal stylist. And I was like, oh, my God, that sounds so much fun. I get to work with celebrities. I get to, you know, do, like, live my dream in a sense where I didn't even know my dream was yet at the time but I started doing that and then from there I worked with other stylists and then from there I think it wasn't until COVID happened that I was actually like I'm gonna do this shit by myself especially if I'm making barely any money assisting so that's how I've like gotten into the industry and like it's definitely taken a couple of years and it's taking a shit ton of free work and exhausted nights free work you know, it's it's been a process, but I mean, at the end of the day, I don't regret it at all. I am very happy that, you know, I've gotten to where I'm at. And is this the end? I don't know. You know, like, we'll see what happens with, with the rest of my life and the rest of my story. Um, but I think a big question for me that I'm curious about you is like, why styling? Why have you stuck with styling and why were you interested in styling? I think for me there's always been this fascination with i guess like beauty and creativity and how you can create something that can also have a message mm-hmm. you know because the editorials that i feel like i always looked at were editorials that sort of still had a very specific message you know that one uh i can't even think of like what year it came out but i think it was a stephen klein editorial and it was a woman she got like washed up at sea she's like covered it's like i think it was called like oil slick or something like that um it just kind of like blew me away because it was kind of about like beauty but it was also like at the height of like climate crisis like you know it was when we were sort of like talking about that and like having a that moment things like that are always would have kept me interested in styling just sort of seeing what fashion can do for the rest of the planet because i think that is something that needs to be uh you know Totally. We need to talk about it, and that needs to be something that can uh, be, you know, brought out. I completely agree with that. I I think that um, fashion is one of the biggest leading forces in the world, and I think it's kind of like the fashion industry's like job to make sure that we're not hurting this world, and that mm-hmm. we're also benefiting and con- contributing back into society. And I think it's 
it happens a lot more than we realize with sustainable clothing coming out and like you said like campaigns that are free and focused to specific things um but i do also think that it's really amazing that you're able to take fashion and take clothes and take something like a pretty face and turn it into a message or a story and be able to touch people's lives that are not even interested in fashion you know no 100 percent, and i think um you know, as we like dive more and more into it, it's like I, I, I see it happening. Like I see more things being opened up, people talking more, people being more conscientious about what it's doing. Because it is, like you said before, it's a very, very profitable industry. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. So by virtue of that, by virtue of it being a profitable industry, it almost, you know, we have to somehow give back and we have to educate. Because I think part of this is like, you know, it fashion for a long time has been such like a dynasty in this weird way. Totally. It's th- like a hierarchy. It's a hierarchy. And I think a big part of it is, you know, opening up doors to future generations and making sure that they know that, you know, it's not just about creating a pretty picture. It's not just about selling a garment. It's also, you know, selling a lifestyle sometimes. And sometimes you're selling a message. And at the end of the day, it's like, as a creative person, what do you want to say mm-hmm. about what it is that you're doing about your work? Totally. Because I think that like, just all of us individually have our own background and reason in why we end up in this industry. And I feel like we all have our own stories to tell personally, but also things that we discover along the way, you know, and things that we realize our voice can be um, beneficial to. And I think that for me specifically, like, I came in this industry thinking it was going to be all glitz and glam and getting to work with celebrities and getting to, Girl. you know, no, for real. But like, <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm still in this industry because I do have a voice and I do have things that I want to say. And I do have a, I want to make a difference. And I know that sounds kind of cliche, but at the end of the day, it's true. I want to make a difference within my community, within this community and within the world, you know? But I mean, what about you? What do you... Where do you see yourself after styling or in a couple of years? Do you still want to be a stylist? I, let me put it like this. I love styling. Like I love fashion. Mm-hmm. But I think like before anything else, I love ideas and I love idea making and I love bringing communities together to make ideas and to make things sort of like happen. I think that's the thing about fashion, you know, like whether it's like an editorial, whether it's an advertisement, whether it's anything like that. I think the thing that has always intrigued me the most and the thing that's always like got me going the most is that beginning point. It's like, what's the idea? Like, are we creating a lifestyle? Are we creating um, a fantasy world? Totally. Are we trying to talk about, talk about like, you know, a specific um, issue that's going on in the world? Like, what are we trying to say? And how do we bring that to life, mm-hmm. so to speak? So it's not that I don't see myself as a stylist. It's just that I think that I see myself, you know, uh, taking what I know as a stylist and adding that to something else, like, you know, kind of a creative direction type field, um, something where I can be like, you know what, I, I read about this in the news the other day, like, let's talk about it, let's do a story about it, like, let's, let, let's create something that is about this or, you know, like, you know, and it, as a POC person myself, I feel like uh, I want to also create stories and like sort of landscapes almost of places where more people like me can see themselves. Um, I think, you know, it's been kind of like within like recent years that there have been a lot more POC people like in the industry, like doing the same thing. Uh, At least getting recognition. Getting recognition, 100%. They've always been here. here. You're right, you're right, you're right. Mm -hmm. Um, We've always been here. And it's like, you know, we're like the forefront of style. Like, and that's- Run this show. That's not even like, (laughs) that's not even like, you know, uh, a, a brag or anything it's mm-hmm. just that 
we have, we set the bar mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. Like every time for what is cool, what is like in, what is this, what is that. Like pe- things get pit- plucked from the street and end up on the runways all the time. Totally. Um, and I think that's something that needs to be, you know, exposed a little bit more. It's just like, just, just, just to let you know, totally. this is like, you know, this is the thing. Um, we're here, bitches. Where do you see yourself in the next few years? Um, so I love styling. Like you were saying, like, it really is a very rewarding, um, position, role, job, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I do feel like it is a stepping stone for me specifically to be able to be a creative and be a content creator, but also be able to build communities to where I can find my voice and find the people that, um, just need to need some, it's a bad word, um, need some help just like explaining their ideas and being able to like actually tell their stories. And I feel like there's so many stories out there. Like I want to be a storyteller and mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that we can both relate to. I feel like hundred percent storytelling is like the main like excitement of the job, that fantasy, that, you know, idea is, is always like my favorite part because that's what stimulates me and that's what gets me excited. And that's what inspires me when I'm styling. So, I mean, styling for me is a stepping stone. I think creative direction is also a goal of mine in the future. I'd love to like be able to design things too. I'd love to be able to like, you know, put on events and be able to like just do it all. And I think that being a stylist really puts me to the test in being able to build relationships and being able to have timeliness and professionalism and and just get that good foundation to where I can take this and go running in the future. And so I think for me, that's where I see myself. Fashion is so interesting because I feel like so many people come into this industry with a preconceived idea of what they're going to be doing. Emily in Paris, you know, like this idea that <laughs> you're going to come in here and you're going to get full recognition right off the bat and you're going to get paid for it too. That's not it, sis, like at all. Well, let's talk about that. For real. Um, I know when I came in, I had a specific idea of what it was going to be like to work in fashion. Um and you know you see all these sorts of different things that sort of like glamorize what the industry is i did not know how not only like mentally taxing but also like physically taxing a job like this could be i also had no idea of what the finance situation was like for this job financially taxing (laughs) uh do you taxes kids literally um and you know you said something about free work earlier and that's something that i feel like you know, as I got older, because I did a lot of free free jobs mm-hmm. when I started. So and I. I think, you know, in that moment, you're always just like, I don't understand why I'm doing this. Um, I'm this person. I'm that person. Like, da, da, da. Like, I already know how to do this. Like, you think you know everything when you start. Mm-hmm. You really, really do. It's, it's, it's crazy because it's like you look at so many, like, magazines and things and you create this idea of the person that you see in your head already, right? Mm-hmm. So you think you know all of these things, but you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, looking back on it, if I hadn't done a lot of unpaid gigs to start, well, number one, I would have been this person who was getting paid who did not know what the what they were doing like at all. Number no, and it's a real thing. It is. No, fully. I completely I completely agree with that. And number two, I think it's also kind of like paying your dues is a real thing. And I know for sometimes it can sound like a little like, you know, like 
abusive. Yeah, but at the same time, there is a certain aspect of that mm. that is a very, very real thing. Like, you know, you, you, you can't just come on to, you know, a major, major set and not know anything and expect somebody to drop $400 in your pocket for you having kind of just, you know, winging it winging it because mm-hmm. a lot of times in this industry you cannot wing it because no. you don't get a second chance no like your name is everything in this industry and i think that that's a big thing with coming into the industry even if you know what you're talking about fashion history um you're you know how to use a steamer you know your designers it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. until you have your name out there and mm-hmm. be able to create relationships with people that are authentic and i think that being able to step aside from that ego and step aside from that like alter ego um, really humbles you and allows people to see you. And I think that being a stylist, I want people to see me because then I have people coming up to me for me. And Mm -hmm. that's my favorite thing. You know, like I get to work on a project that means something to me, not just some catalog shoot or some commercial work that literally I could care less. It's like, absolutely. And you know, it's one of those things too. It's like when I hit a point where I was hiring my own assistants or even getting pulled onto jobs to lead small teams, it was one of those things where it's like, you can know every single editorial by heart, by mm-hmm. picture, by designer, from like shoes down to headpiece. You can know all the pieces that went into that, all the designers. That's not what I'm necessarily looking for when I'm trying to pull somebody on to work for a job. I'm looking for somebody who is willing to learn. I'm looking for somebody who is hardworking, who can follow direction, and who understands that they're not the biggest player in the room. No, not And that it is a team effort. I think that's, like, something that's not stressed enough. Like, you know, I I didn't necessarily go to fashion school, Mm -hmm. like, in that specific uh, vein of things. But I think it's one thing that isn't stressed enough, like across the board, in terms of working in this industry and maybe even at schools. Um, it's a team effort. I fully, no, it's, totally. it's, it's you playing off of everybody else who's already working. And I feel like. Because there's so many components, you know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. being a stylist, I feel like within ourselves, we have to have resources for not only the clothes, but also, you know, sometimes props, or sometimes we have to, you know, go about looking for locations, or it's about, you know, doing test shoots with specific photographers so that we can get into this door versus that door. And like, there's just so many components that it really is a team collaboration and i feel like people that don't understand that and want to have full control over everything will never make it like i'm sorry but you have to be open to criticism first of all and oh, you have to criticism, be open to letting go of that ego because honey just because you can do it so can they you know what i mean well and you know that the, i i love that you bring that up to the, the ego portion of it right <laughs> i remember making like my first editorials like you know just like putting stuff together and like i thought I was the truth. <laughs> and then you start seeing other things that are coming out. Mm-hmm. And then you start, you know, you start working with uh, people and you start seeing the things that they're doing. And you're just kind of like, oh, wait, 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 let me slow down a little bit. All the breaks. Because it's not that what I did is like necessarily like less than bad problem, whatever. It's just that there's people who have been doing this for a real, real long time. There's people with ideas that you're not even like thinking about. There's people mm-hmm. who come from a different perspective mm-hmm. and are talking in ways, uh, using, using, using clothing as a language mm-hmm. and talking in ways that maybe you don't necessarily know how to do. And I think one of the biggest things is, you know, you also have to give yourself that time 
to garner that experience to be like, oh, what is it that I want to say specifically? Definitely. Because I think that really separates, you know, the stylists who go on to have a lot of longevity from the ones who, you know, may not necessarily make it to that point. Um, because I think you do really need to come. Somebody once said to me, one of the biggest, one of the best tools a stylist has um, at their disposal is uh, their own perspective. Mm. Shout out Issei White. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, and I think it's one of those things that you really have to, you got to cultivate that, right? And I think, you know, we, we talk about um, being POC. I think people who are POC kind of, we naturally have like sort of a perspective, mm. like in a lot of different ways. And I think that has always sort of like helped push us within this industry totally. sort of having like a different like like viewpoint of looking at everything but I also think that you know it's like I said before it's like when you come into this you have to be prepared that you know you're not going to be the hottest person in the room totally and I feel like like keeping that in mind even if you do have all these ideas and all of this perspective I think that's the key thing of just being a creative in general but I think that bringing it back to, you know, working those free jobs and like, you know, having to like put in your work in order for you to like, you know, be respected a little bit. I think it's, it's kind of balancing, you know, knowing your worth, but also understanding that there's always something to learn. And I feel like as a stylist specifically, every single job I work on, they, there's always a new challenge. There's always something 100%. I haven't dealt with and something that I need to figure out. And I think that's so exciting about it, but it also humbles me to remember that I can reach out to my peers and I can ask questions and I can, you know, hit up Google and be like, what is this person's perspective? But at the same time, I got to remember that I got to put in the work and I got to, I got to find my own voice within this industry. So assisting can be great in that sense in learning what, you know, like where you want to go and also learning the skills, you know? Because being a stylist isn't just you showing up and putting a garment on somebody. Mm -hmm. I, I like... I know I'm sure a lot of people like think about it and it's like, you know, you're like laid up on a chair, um, you're on set, you're at Pier, Pier 59 every single time. Mm -hmm. um, you have a team, you have a fleet of assistants, mm -hmm. not All even just a team, a it, like everything, Gucci Louis Prada, mm -hmm. like, but you know, actually putting on like the garments themselves and like, you know, styling out the look, that's almost like 10% of the job. Like styling is logistics. Styling is understanding how to manage your finances. Totally. Um, styling is uh, you knowing what jobs to even say like yes and no to, to begin with totally. knowing that's your worth. Thing. No, definitely. I feel like I've only been on my own for about a year and a half now. And I think that sometimes it can be so intimidating to say no. Just, I think that like, you know, I want to take every opportunity that comes towards me. But at the same time, I also want to find my voice in this industry. And sometimes projects don't benefit that. And sometimes relationships with people, as good as they might be in the end of, you know, building your own way up, I think at the same time, it's really important to remember that, you know, these, these people that you're going to work with, you have the decision to say, I didn't actually like that, or I don't think that it's worth my time, or I don't think it's going to benefit me. And it takes some time for you to get comfortable with that. But saying no is such a big part in this industry. And you have to know how to do that. And you have to know... Without breaking down those relationships. Without breaking down those right? relationships. You know, it, cause, and I think that's an experience thing, right? Like totally. you understanding how to 
somebody sends you a prompt for a job and you like, know don't go saying this is going to be a waste of my time never <laughs> go saying this is going to be a waste of my time don't, like because first of all you don't even know that mm-hmm. um and it's also rude um, very rude you being able to be like this project uh looks really really interesting um i would love to work with you guys in the future but if i'm being perfectly honest mm-hmm. you know uh i don't feel comfortable with this rate mm-hmm. like having that vocabulary you you have you have to garner that after a while because totally. you don't have that right off the jump and i have seen situations where people have said something like that talked themselves into a little hole and now it's like you know they had the opportunity to maybe work with this person in the future but that's kind of like trash now totally totally they messed it up i mean i feel like again it's an ego thing you have to remember that like yes you are an amazing artist you know no one's going to combat that but at the end of the day we're all out here working our butts off mm-hmm. and it's okay to say no because everyone else should understand within the industry that you know you have priorities and that i think that at the same time bringing back what you had said earlier is like you know you want to you want to be able to you know you want to be able to take all these jobs and work with these people that are inspiring to you and big with you but sometimes those experiences are not your favorite and sometimes those experiences are you know maybe going to show you something that you didn't like or something that you don't want to do and that's a learning experience too you know and now you know so then you don't do it again i mean i think one of the biggest things that i learned like while i've been doing this is just like honestly sometimes it's better for you to learn what you don't want to do because mm. you already have an idea of what you do want to totally. do right i think that's great but like there's plenty of things that like, you know you come into the industry and you're just like i want to do that 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 and then you kind of like you do the thing and you realize you're just like oh wait this is not what i wanted to do at all like how did this happen totally. I, think- I feel like that's a big thing with like people that come into the styling industry thinking like having these preconceived ideas of what the industry looks like they think they want to be a stylist mm-hmm. but they don't actually know the work that goes into being a stylist and it scares a lot of people like seriously i mean until you have like walked up seven flights of stairs literally with a rack with a and, rack and bags a, like like four or five garment bags literally. um and like your a, steamer your steamer <laughs> like until you have literally been in the trenches and for whatever reason there's never an elevator never i don't these, know why none of these big game warehouses ever there is never an elevator it's like it's always the wildest thing to me it's just like why why isn't it everywhere you go there is never an elevator i think it's like one of those things where it's like you know People don't think about the actual, you know, even something basic is that the physical labor of what it is to be a stylist, totally. um, the mental labor of what it is to be a stylist when you're juggling, because you don't always have the luxury of working on one project at a time. Mm-hmm. Like when you're juggling like four projects in like one month, totally, you do have to give them all the same level of attention because the, th- the thing about it is like your name's going on it 100% and your name is the most important everything. thing in this industry. You know, it's like you have to... You got to turn it every single time. Totally. You can't let a... No half-assing. No half-assing. And you know... And that goes with assisting too. No half-assing. You cannot half-ass it as an assistant. In you fact, will not be called access. I would dare to say that you you have to you have to lead with your full ass more as an assistant totally. than you even do as you as a lead. Well, as a lead, you have a lot more control. As a lead, you have more control. And as an assistant... I mean, we're going to talk about assistants in future episodes, but I think a good mental um health like a good mental state to be in is that you need to put in everything that you got because you want to build those relationships Mm -hmm. and you want them to see how hard you're working now i think one thing i do tell some people just in general is like give 95 percent just because that five percent 
extra is kind of saved for the end. Like go, like keep your pace. It's like running a marathon or whatever. Keep your pace, keep it steady, keep it reliable. But then at the end, go for it all the way. Give it everything that you got. That way they leave with a lasting impression in their mouth like at the end. And I feel like that's one thing I tell assistants is like, I don't want you to be worn out either by no. the end of the day either. Like I want you by my side. I want you listening to me. I want you following direction. But I also need you to be ready for the packing up and the cleaning up and everything at the end because I'm going to be talking to these people saying goodbye and everything. So now it's your job to make sure that everything's ready to go and I have all these expensive pieces backed, packed up and ready to go. Because also the truth of the matter is like, you know, the job is supposed to be fun. It is. And it is fun. And I don't want anyone to think that this is not a fun thing to do because it is really, really fun. It's like, you know... I, I always told myself, like, the day that this stops being fun for me is the day that I'm going to be looking for something else to do. Totally. Um, but with that being said, you know, it there's a is, lot of respect. And know? there's a lot of work. A lot of work. There's a, there's, a lot, there's a lot of work that comes into working in something like this. And I think, you know, even on, like, the assisting, like, wavelength, it's kind of just like, you know, you want to see all of that. You want to see the fun parts mm -hmm. and, you know... Like cute stuff will happen. You'll you'll get some cute pieces here and there, and like you know you'll go to a really nice dinner every now and again. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of work that comes before all of that. Not to mention, we haven't even talked about like all of the pulls and returns. I guess that's a whole. That's thing a whole episode. other. That's a whole other episode. But I mean, <laughs> when we talk about the amount of work that is, you're gonna be like put into right off the bat. It's not you know, a walk in the park. You have to have, you know, your sneakers on because your feet going to hurt. And like, it's, it's a mental state to really just know that what you're putting in is going to be worth it because your name is going to be out there. Do not show up to set in a pair of shoes that you really, really, really love. Ooh, do not show up in wooden heels. Ooh, I have this one woman. I'm not even going to talk about it right now. But no, no wooden heels. No, no heels in general, honestly. No skirts. No crop tops. Like, honestly, listen to what the stylist is telling you. And if you mm -hmm. have a question about it, ask. Because mm -hmm. I'll tell you what to show up in, you know? And you will, and I think everybody does it after a while, you will develop your on-set look eventually. Totally. You figure it out. Totally. I think another thing is people don't realize that by going onto set with all these colors, clothes you're actually fucking with the lighting of 100%. the shoe and people don't realize that like if you're on here with this fluorescent yellow dress like honey i'm gonna need you in the far back corner because mm -hmm. you can't mess with my shoe and, and especially when i told you to show up in black pants you know what i mean like, it's also one of those things where it's like you're not here to be the center of attention not at all and also like look it, like people aren't like when they're on set this is this is not the after party of the shoot. No, this is the shoot. Yes. You save save that look. Save that look for if we if we go out for drinks later. Mm -hmm, totally. Bring it with you. We have steamers. We do. Like <laughs> literally, throw it in a garment bag. I don't mind like at all. And I I do the same thing. I'll bring an extra t shirt or mm -hmm. I'll bring an extra pair of shoes because I know that I'm gonna want to be comfortable while I'm on set and I don't want to be wearing my skirts or my you know cute little clothes that I just can't mess up. So I think that that's a big thing. Is just you know if you have a question, ask your stylist and. And they will tell you everything that they expect from you. That's a big one too. And I think like just just as a, on a wider scale, ask all of the questions. Don't be afraid to ask a question because here's the thing: you would rather ask the question and like let people know that you don't know than mess up the thing that you were already wondering totally. things about. I the think a good piece of advice that I got from the first stylist I ever worked with was. Don't ask me Googleable questions. And I've always that's stuck true. with that because that's very true. there's a lot of stuff that's not on the internet when it comes to styling or fashion or whatnot. And I feel like those things, please ask me because mm -hmm. I would rather, again, have you do it correct than me have to go in there and fix what you just messed up. 
But at the end of the day, if it's if it's something that is so simple that you really do think you can Google, Google it first. Because I'm busy. I'm over here running a, a project. You know, I don't necessarily have time to deal with all of the like bullshit questions. I want to help you and help us because we have the same goal. You know, but I don't also want anybody's time to necessarily be taken away from or attention to be taken away from the project at hand. You know? No, exactly. It's like very much so that it's like it's it's really a lot of styling is critical thinking definitely a lot of styling is critical thinking and honestly you do have to train your brain to work in that way if it doesn't already totally. I, I think that's what, i know for me it took like a while to like get to that point where i was just like okay how can i actually like critically think about this project but here's the other thing with with that that's when you stop thinking like an assistant and you're starting to think like a stylist and that's definitely. a really good direction to already be going in because you're like okay so this is actually on me and how am i thinking about all these moving parts because you know i i think anyone who is, you know, really, really worth their salt in their industry isn't just thinking about their specific role in it. They're thinking about, okay, so if I need to be here at this time, I need to reach out to production and be like, okay, so we're going to have this many racks. We need to mm -hmm. get them up to like this floor. Like you know, I might need this some help. Much time to set up. I like, have this much time to set up. Totally. And I feel like also it's really important to, you know, introduce yourself to the team as an assistant wait until you do everything that your stylist mm -hmm. is telling you to do but introduce yourself because these people are probably in the same same spot that you are you mm -hmm. know they want to meet more people they want to work on fun projects they want to do these things and also like style is like one thing i didn't realize when i was becoming a stylist on my own was that people care about the entire image that means hair and makeup too so if you mm -hmm. have a relationship with the hair and makeup artist you guys are collaborating at that point you are. so that they help you so that you can help the client you know and i feel like that's something that i realized is like clients are coming up to me like oh i don't really like the makeup on this why are you talking to me i'm not the makeup artist but it's still my job at the end of the day to make sure that your look is coming together you know because the thing of it too is like when the final product comes out they're not thinking about any one person on the team. They're thinking yeah. about that whole team. Mm -hmm. And that's how they're always going to look at it. They're sure. going to be like, that team wasn't it. Mm -hmm. Like, unless unless the problem was so monumentally come, comes down, came down to, like, one person. Like a which, photographer or something. Which rarely happens. Yeah. So it's kind of just, like, one of those things where it's like, yeah, be mindful of who else that you're working with. It's also just, you know, it's a generally nice thing to do. Like, you know, be respectful. Like, you know, introduce yourself. Totally. It's like, it's like, it's like the first day of school. Uh -huh. Like every it's new a fun thing. Like you were saying, like, it's a, it's a fun thing getting to set and, you know, getting to meet people and all like creating such beautiful art. But at the same time, I think as a stylist, I can be so focused, you mm -hmm. know, that like, I'm not always paying attention to like, everybody or everything that's happening around me because i'm just here like i got to get this steamed right now i got to get this organized right now and like that's where assistants come in and they take care of everything so that i can go in there and actually build those relationships because i mean you can do relationships online but it's those in-person interactions that really solidify relationships i think from my experience on set no well it makes it makes it, it it's, it's exactly that it makes them it affirms them it makes them more like concrete because you're sort of just like you know you're having that face to face with another person you're talking to them you are creating a discourse you're creating a relationship like mm -hmm. you said before and i think that's something that i think everyone knows how important it is to create a relationship mm -hmm. i just don't think that like sometimes like the gravity of it gets like put into people's heads as much because this is an incredibly tiny industry like mm -hmm. i guarantee you you work long enough you will know everybody like i know mm -hmm. people who know everyone mm -hmm. and it's wild too because like you know you you, you think of it as being this thing that is global and it is global mm -hmm. but like 
you can work a job with some people in London and they will remember you. Totally. No, fully. I feel they like they will fully remember you. Even emailing, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. and I think I actually just sent out my um my holiday emails to every PR and designer I worked with this year and like I think it's so important as a stylist for me to just be like, I haven't hit you up in a second, but I also don't want you to feel used because, you know, we're all kind of using each other in this Mm -hmm. industry. So I just, I want to make sure that what we have is real. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I want to make sure that next year when I have a project that comes up, I can hit you up because I've put in the work within this relationship to where you trust me. And that's a big thing too. As a stylist, you're carrying thousands and thousands of dollars worth of stuff. They're not going to give it to somebody that they don't think they can trust. You know, and like it's a hundred percent that, and I feel like you know, trust in this industry. I mean, it's like we said before, it's your name. Mm-hmm. It's like the biggest part of what you're going to be doing because you know the, your little black book and your lexicon and like your 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 people that you can reach out to mm-hmm. is ultimately going to kind of make you. They're invaluable. They yeah. are invaluable, They're and literally. it's it's like you know, treating your people with respect, whether it's PR, whether it's your assistants, whether it is production mm-hmm. honestly more so than anybody for in my opinion it's like treating everybody on the team with respect mm-hmm. making sure that everybody feels like you know you guys are all in this together because you are all in this together because mm-hmm. that person could recommend you for a job then you know what i mean like and they will do it they fully will do it if they know that they can trust you and that they can send somebody to you without even having to worry you know what i mean and, and you know it's, it's great like, it's like what they say uh it's it's not what you know it's who you know definitely it's it it is that Fully. it is it, it is very that like and i and I, i'm not saying that like being talented or having a lot of skills already is going to get you something or is going to get you anywhere but i am saying that like relationships are wildly important in this industry Fully. and if you don't think that they are then you're you're, you're doing yourself a huge disservice you're never going to get nowhere sis if you like even if you are a designer and a stylist and you're out here pumping out work that's sickening if you can't like keep a conversation or build that trust within a relationship, you'll never have someone in your corner talking good about you. And that's a big part of this, especially with us freelancing. I feel like it's so important that we leave good lasting impressions on people because if you don't, you will be remembered for that. And I think I have quite a few people in my repertoire of, of designers and photographers that I know I will not be hitting back up again because I did not either trust them or you know they were not respectful of my time and my efforts. And I feel like that's a big thing for me. No, 100%. Do you want to take a little break? We can take a break. Let's do it. Okay, cute. Then we'll be back um, with our closing statements and a little bit more. So listen on. So we're back from our break. You know, we had to rest our voices. They don't sound this natural Drink on, some tea. on purpose. <laughs> um, but getting back into it, Marcus, what is one thing that you wish you knew before getting into this industry? That is a great question. There are a multitude of things. But I think one of the biggest things that I wish I knew before getting into this industry was, A, the amount of work physically mm-hmm. that was involved in all of this totally because nobody tells you how clothes get from point a to point b nope until you realize <laughs> oh it's you you are the person bringing these things literally uh from point a to point b and you also have to figure that out logistics is a huge part of this mm-hmm. um also finances you know yes. like there's 
certain things that I didn't realize even about like, even about like taxes, like working as a freelancer, right? Like what is a write-off and what is not a write-off? Totally. Um, I, if I can give anybody out there a piece of advice, don't do your taxes on your own. Get an accountant. Just, mm. just it, It's going to save you so much more money and so much more time. A business manager. A business manager. Totally. Somebody who can help out with that. Because like, you think it's a lot up front, but the fact of the matter is, you know, you hit a certain point where you're doing enough work, you don't want to be trying to do your taxes at the, end of, at the end of the year. It can be very confusing. And these people already, like, that's what they do. So it's it great when do. you can go to somebody and they just take care of it at that point. And you don't want to mess that up for yourself because you will end up. I've done it. You will end up oh, having a lot of money that is just going out the window. Totally. I feel like one thing I didn't know just in general about freelancing is that if you do not um, have a business manager or you do not have someone taking care of your finances, it is so easy to go in the negative. Like mm -hmm. so easy. And it happens without even realizing it because of project after project after project. So I feel like that's really important. It's not something that I learned until this year that I need someone to help me with this stuff because mm -hmm. no one ever tells you that stuff like at all, anything about numbers. And I feel like it can be discouraging when you feel like you know what you're doing from a styling point of view, but not from a numbers point of view, you know? Well, that's a big part of it too. It's just like, you know, going into like that, it's like there's so many moving parts of being a stylist that you almost need help in other aspects of it. Like, exactly. Like, look, it's like, I don't know that much about finance. So mm -hmm. having somebody who can kind of like help me and guide me in like those sorts of ways is really, really important for me. Mm -hmm. um, I think another really big thing that I wish I had known before getting into this industry is that while it is fun and it can be glitzy and glamorous and all that, you also have to take time for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I think like, you know, you know, the parties and like the things and the going out and the fashion things and the fashion they're week fun. and all, they're fun, but sometimes you need to just take a moment and like have your own personal life. Your whole life can't just be fashion. Totally. You have to have, you have to be able to like make that separation mm -hmm. between, okay, this is my fashion stuff. This is my personal life. And like, you know. I am a big proponent of don't only have friends who work in the industry. Mm. Have friends who do other things. Because you know why? First of all, that gives you a different perspective. Definitely. And second of all, you never know when you're going to need like a lawyer friend. Totally. A doctor friend. Totally. A friend who can help you figure out this, that, and the other. Healthcare mama. <laughs> That's one of the biggest things in this industry. How am I going to get good healthcare? Mm -hmm. to like, you? Because know, you need that. Like you Definitely. can't just... You know, everybody sort of thinks that you're going to, especially at the beginning, you're just like, you're just like, I'm just always going to be healthy and fashion and clothes will keep me vital. No, sis, not but, in this industry. No, like you need to be aware that like, and I guess it just goes back to you. There's a lot of moving parts that are still involved with you working in something like this. So you, you do need to have other people who can help you with that. Totally. I think kind of going off of that, I feel like one thing that I wish I knew was just how important it is for you to be have a mental a great mental health in order for you to be able to give to people because our job is a lot of giving mm -hmm. and i feel like our job is not a lot of getting and mm -hmm. so that's it's us having to go out there and get what we need to survive and i think taking that into your personal life is so important because if you don't realize how much you're giving you will just be exhausted and it's not in a way where you don't like you're not going to be able to give 150 percent at this project you've been looking forward to because these three projects wiped you out and like you have to, what's the word, like replenish yourself. You have to replenish between, yourself. You know? And I feel like another thing, and this is kind of an unpopular opinion, but I feel like another thing I've learned is that 
being surrounded by clothes kind of kills shopping for me sometimes. Yeah. Like, I feel like I don't go into stores to go shopping anymore in the same way because I go in there and I'm already in business mode. And it's like, I'm just here to shop for myself. But at the same time, like, I used to love thrifting. I don't have time for thrifting anymore. I don't have time to go through everything and, like, actually have this, like, passion for, like, shopping. And, like, shopping is fun. And it still is fun. But at the same time, it's just different. And I think that that's something I just didn't know, like, going into this industry. Well, because you see so many beautiful, incredible things all of the time. Mm -hmm. And it kind of makes everything else, not th not to make it, it doesn't make it feel less than, it's just, like, seen it, seen it, mm -hmm. seen it, seen it in a different color way. It kills the buzz. It kills the buzz. And I think it's, like, what I mean, for me... <laughs> doesn't mean I don't get excited about clothes. It does I not mean I don't get excited about clothes. totally get excited about clothes, but I just don't get excited in the same ways that I used to about clothes. Well, it's like for me, it's like, you know, for me, thrifting is uh, I ran some errands all day. I'm walking back to my house. I just spot beacons out the corner of my eye. Mm -hmm. Let me walk in and peruse. But even then, still, I'm perusing. So pretty quick. And yeah. half the time, I'm just looking. I don't even know why. I'm just looking at the, the labels. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, I'm like, oh, that coat looks familiar. I think mm -hmm. I like, may have done it. Or I was on a set with that piece. Let me check it out. I was like, oh, it's the brand that we're working with. Oh, huh. That's, That's funny. So funny. Leaves. Literally. No, <laughs> I feel it. I feel like I go in and I, I kind of get overwhelmed at times. Only because it's like what am I doing here? I'm surrounded by clothes consistently. Like I don't need to be here and I don't need to be here for something that's not going to inspire me in the same way. Now, if I can buy pieces from designers and I'm getting pieces that are like sickening, then that's so exciting for me now. But it's not the same from like just going into a, a regular store or a thrift store and being the same kind of like patient and exciting that I used to be, you know? Plus, I don't know if this happens to you, but I know this happens to me every time. I might go into a thrift shop and see a piece that I really love. I'm already designing an outfit around it. And if I can't design an outfit around it, I'm not getting it. You're just done. Uh, you're like, I won't use it. Which is like, which is that stylist brain being turned on where you're just like, oh, I can't just buy a piece. I need a piece mm -hmm. that goes with this piece and goes with this shoe. It's and an I can investment. also accessorize with this. It is. It's an investment. And I feel like that's something that I just was not expecting. Like being a stylist and like knowing that, you know, clothes, I'm going to have a new fresh perspective on the way that I look at clothes. And I think that that's been like a whole process. Just me trying to find my passion again for clothes in a way that's like an everyday. Because honestly, I'd be living in these like baggy Zara pants and these hoodies. And I'm so casual on my days off because I really don't have the time to even think about it anymore. And you don't want to. No, I, I'm like, so that's where having those pieces where you know will go with everything are so vital for me because I know I can just throw something together if I need to. Doesn't mean I don't get excited when I'm going to the parties, you know, because we exactly. pull out all the stops. Exactly. But it ain't nothing you're going to find in a thrift store either, you know? Or if, if it wasn't a thrift store, <laughs> I found it. So you're not going to find it either, <laughs> you know? Because I found some great pieces thrifting and I use them for styling to this day. But oh, 100%. Like these products boots I have in my closet they don't fit me <laughs> but I've used them significantly and I feel like that's it's amazing to have those pieces it's more exciting to like collect pieces now versus it is that's to, really like, what it is shopping you know what I mean that's what it, really what it is it's like I have my little uh closet that's half the time just like hanging out under my bed of just stuff that I've collected from shoes sometimes I'll find something and be like where did this come from and I'm like Literally. oh uh 
2017, August, whatever, put this day in. We did that shoot. That's why I still have this. I have so many things like that in my house where it's like, I used this for a shoot, didn't return it or couldn't return it. So it ends up in my closet. And I'm always like, I'll use this for styling. But I do use that stuff mm-hmm. for myself too. Because I'm like, okay, some fishnets, let's do it. Or okay, these pants are hella fun, let's do it. And I just have them. Sometimes, this is so bad, but sometimes I'll pull an extra piece when I'm pulling pieces just to like throw on. I'm like, this jacket's really cute and it fits me. So I'm gonna wear her. I'm taking Girl. a couple pictures. I like, she's so bad, but I'm also not like bringing her out and about. She's just staying in my house. Me feeling like a little princess, you know, that's fun about styling. That is the fun thing about you styling. Know? Even if I can't fit in it, it's great to look at her. <laughs> like, look, like taking a couple pics and something that I pulled, I'm just like, all right, like, but I'm not hurting nobody. Said, no, you're right. I'm not hurting nobody. <laughs> like, as long as these pieces are co- go back in the exact same way I got them, it's great. Yeah. Like, I'm fine. But this was fun. This was Seriously. very fun. I love this. I can't wait to keep doing this. And I hope you listeners loved it too. I love how casual and and it feels like you're in the room with us. So I like that. Absolutely. Well, we're excited for next month. We're going to be doing this once a month as of right now. Once a month. So I'm excited about that. Um, but that's all the time we have for today. So remember to tune in next month for more industry secrets and juicy tea with Andy and Marcus here on the Miss Education of Styling. See you guys next time. Bye, babes. <laughs>